0: Hi everybody, I'm Stu Palm, the veteran play-by-play announcer for the San Antonio Missions, and you're listening to the Friars on the Farm podcast.
1: The horses are on the track. Welcome to Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and with me is Roy.
2: Spring training is wrapped up. All the ponies are making their way to the gates oh man the horses, the horses are, are on the track right.
1: yes let's go let's oh, go man. campaign 2023 we made it through and now here's the thing first we're gonna have Stu paul from the san antonio missions on a little bit later on we're gonna to talk to you about your experience out there in spring training i went to fantasy camp this year i couldn't afford to go to both so it was fantasy camp or spring training and fantasy camp one um but i want to Just, you know, with WBC and all the injuries that happened during spring training, we got bit by a very, very lenient and baseball god style of injuries for spring training. Knocking on wood. Knocking on wood.
2: Very much so. Yeah. Joe Musgrove broke his toe. Um, A couple of guys had some minor tweaks. Looks like Adam Engel is going to start the season on the I.L., um, Drew Pomeranz and Jose Castillo have their annual shutdown, and yeah. you know, hoping that one of those guys gets at least one of them right. shows up and and contributes at some point. Um, because yeah, it when spring training starts and you start putting out these lists, these rosters, and these potential lineups, and it's like. I, I, you can't get ahead of yourself because I mean, look what happened right. to Reese Hoskins. That was incredible. So sad. I love that. Yeah. I love watching good ball players. Yeah, and he's just fielding a ball behind first base, non-contact injury, and and now it looks like he's out for the season. Um, and Edwin Diaz just signed this huge deal with the Mets, yeah. and yeah. in the celebration, he take awkward, awkward jump and blows his knee out, and he's out for the year. It's like yeah. man, so. You know, in-
1: with Pobre's been lucky very lucky and particularly with the the oblique strain how super mild um usually those oblique strains can be even the mild ones can be like season ending It screws with you all all year you yeah, know but they Soto was about, back
2: out there in a in a B game today yeah he hit a double he walked three times he was running the bases he says I feel good
1: yeah and and that's the one really that like you know bones will heal but like an oblique muscle muscular that that could last you all season uh, Jake Cronenworth last year was, uh, you know, apparently playing pretty banged up all season and he's having a torrid spring. He is. He is Cronenworth and Grisham
2: are two guys that, I mean, not that Cronenworth had a Cronenworth still had a really good year last year. And, and Grisham, if you look at by wins above replacement, he had a good year, even though his stat line doesn't, doesn't show up, but the power was there and gold glove defense. But if those guys can be, a slightly better version of what they were last year, along with the four horsemen of the apocalypse you got up front or (laughs) Mount Crushmore whatever we're calling those guys. And you got to weather the first 20
1: games till Tatis comes back. And then it's just a, a dream lineup. A daunting, and we saw a little bit of that. I know it's spring training, and they only spring training stats only count when they are good stats. All bad stats don't count. Right, you know, a couple couple games we we got in a hole, and you saw that first four kind of come through and and get those runs back and take a lead. So that's you know a few years back. Remember we were um was it nineteen that we seemed to like the bodies would go they would go down a couple of runs, uh, even go down a couple of runs late, and they'd come back and win these games and. It's just we got used to that happening. and Right. But for seemed, so many years, it's like a two, three run
2: deficit seemed insurmountable. Right. In the fourth inning, you're like, okay, there it is. Yeah. Oh, we're down. We're down 4-1. Four, four, I guess let's go ahead and pack it up and head home. Is right. that like, the case
1: know, anymore. <laughs> oh, new guy coming up. Jabari Blast. God, he's, he's a monster. He's one guy. Like, we were happy for one guy. Um, yeah, Stu well, Paul. we were
2: trying to we were trying to dream about okay, Corey Spangenberg. <laughs> Stu mentioned Corey Spangenberg. Right, okay, right, we're right. gonna put him in the middle of the lineup, and we're gonna pray that a couple other guys show up around that. And now it's like you've got nine set guys that are gonna be your starting. You've eight or nine guys and then it's the 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 fringe guys who are going to support them, who are going to be your backup outfielders is Rugnet Odor going to make the roster right. as a as a backup infielder who can maybe play a little bit of left field that's the questions we're asking now it's such yeah. a different
1: time in Padres baseball absolutely I think um it was Matt Bush we we drafted instead of Justin Verlander oh I know I know, I know Corey Spangenberg um, there was another really good ball player. George back. Springer was like one or two picks behind him. And okay, it was a signability
2: right. thing because they didn't have the the money to go out and sign the, the good international, the good amateur free agent. Meanwhile, here we are. They're giving Ethan Salas 90 something percent of their international yeah. pool. And he's just making everybody's jaw
1: drop at age 16. Yeah. And we'll see him here pretty soon in Lake Elsinore. Maybe not to start the season, but certainly I would think by the all-star break. I mean, oh, it, man, it's, but, it's still quite possible that he does start the season with with them. I would think they'd probably keep him there just a little bit. I mean, just to kind of make sure. Who knows but we, I mean, what right.
2: everybody's saying? I I have yet to hear anybody have any kind yeah. of suspicion about the kid. Like he is checking every single box every single day. And so I was there last weekend. We went out on Wednesday, came back on Sunday, and I had a chance to watch him uh play in one of the backlot games. It was an intra squad game between the single A and high A guys. And I mean his face looks 16, but everything else about him looks like an experienced minor league player. Like yeah. he his motions behind the plate, the way that he moves, the way he sets up, the, the way he receives pitches. It it all looks so it, it looks so experienced. Good. Yeah, the way he carries himself. The way he steps into the box and just the, the he seems to have an approach and an understanding of what he's trying to do. I and mean, everything is so far beyond his years. So as long as he I feel like what he needs to check are the things off the field, you know. Right. Do they do they know that he's not going to be a knucklehead once he's out a, away from from being at the facility? Uh, does he know how to do his own laundry and and put together his own food plan and and stuff? It's simple things like that.
1: Well, and with the pedigree, with his brother being in the system, his father being a former pro, a pro player, you know those things are probably already been not not discussed, but he already knows that kind of stuff. But you're right. Oh, they yeah. want to know that he's not going to be, Um, and all indications show that he's not. He's just going to be a well-mannered, has a plan, knows and trusts the process of his development and understanding of what it takes to be, you know, as you get better, you have to start here and work your way up. All those things will run smoothly. Now let's hope injuries don't become an issue. Let's hope just all those things that all the intangibles that will stump the development happen. you know, mm-hmm. which, which we don't know. We can't control the uncontrollables, but it's going to be fun to see them up there. I think next week is the, um on the fifth is the storm media day, which I, I, I I'm, I haven't oh. decided if I'm going up yet. I just talked to Justin uh, just yesterday and texted him uh, when that was going to be. Uh, he said it's going to be announced tomorrow via email, so I'll, we'll get the email tomorrow. I um, think it's going f- uh, to be Wednesday, two o'clock to four p.m. Okay, yeah, because um, the the season opens that
2: that Thursday, the sixth.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I think Angela and I are going to go up on the on the seventh. Uh, looking forward to it
1: yeah so that week I like that's the night before we we fly out on on the sixth to go uh to go celebrate Liddy's father's ninetieth birthday okay and then, then a few days after that we're gonna spend three days in the Triad area, an area in North Carolina that we're looking to move to Winston Salem Greensboro, and High Point so we're gonna spend about four solid days out there checking I out meanwhile, well,
2: you're gonna be on your phone refreshing the box scores. Dude. And-
1: <laughs> Absolutely, um, I am, I am, you know, still a month away from going back to work. Uh, I won't go back till May. Um, I did some walking around today. That, that just, I can't, I can't put my socks on. I can put my clothes on, but I can't put my left sock on. <laughs> and, um, doing other other hygienic things are are still a challenge. Um, so I, I'm almost, you know, I, I'm almost okay, but. Still, that's that's what's going to be going on for the next few weeks for us, um, but we'll see how it goes. But let's get into some of these. And John Connor, so John Connor from Madfriars has been in spring training, speaking of spring training. Uh, he's got notes in the backfield here, so he's been out there for the past few days, has a bunch of notes here, and it's going to be really interesting to let you guys know what's going on.
2: Okay, so first off, what John Connor wrote about was about Jairo Iriarte, uh, who you interviewed last year when he was yep. with the Storm. Um, he says that Jairo, uh, at age 21, was the star on the backfields. We had him listed as our number 13 prospect coming into the year, and on Friday, he flashed some of the electric stuff that we described. One of the many Padres International prospects from Venezuela sat in the mid-90s with his fastball to go along with the nasty slider. The Kansas City Royals farmhands had a tough time with his riding fastball up in the zone, and he showed an improved command of his changeup from last year in Lake Elsinore. Uh, Iriarte, age 22, is ticketed for high A Fort Wayne and should be part of a solid rotation featuring Victor Lizarraga, yeah. 19, who may have been the best pitcher in the California League at times last summer. And I find that interesting right there that they're talking about Lizarraga. Going straight to high A. I mean, I guess it makes sense. He spent pretty yep. much all year last year in, in Lake Elsinore, but it, last it, year he was the age of a high school senior.
1: Right. <laughs> right now he's a freshman in college, and he's already in high A. Um, right. You know, to, to get back to Jairto, uh, Hiro, he he did. He would have these flashes, a couple of innings of just like, holy crap, like dominant stuff, like twelve pitch innings. You know, and just. And then it would just, something would happen. He would lose command or he would lose the strike zone and it would just get either knocked around or he would just walk guys and it would kind of fall apart. So good to hear that he's got that improved command, uh, still super young at 21 and then having Victor Lizaraga, These games are going to be fun to watch um, on MLB TV or is it going to be MLB TV how right, we right.
2: now it's it's MLB at bat I think it's part of that there's no more MLB TV it's all wrapped into one app right uh, but so being on the backlots in like in Peoria is just such a joy and I know I'm sure most of our listeners have been to spring training at some point but everybody that goes to spring training they want to turn right and go to the big league side and go try to get autographs or take a picture with somebody or watch watch all the big guys do their thing go left and go to those four lots over on the left hand side and maybe skip on the big league game one day and just hang out back yeah. there. Yeah. so we were back there and there was the uh, the Cleveland Guardians came and their AAA team was playing the Padre's AAA group. Their double A guys were playing the Padre's double A guys. and then on the third field there was the intra squad between San- the Padre's high A and low A guys. So Victor Lizarraga was on the mound and then Sammy Zavala was up to bat. And then on deck was Rosmond Verdugo, who is kind of a, a sleeper prospect, yep, and then in the hold was Ethan Salas, and I mean, you just go down the list, and you go down that Padre's top 30, and a dozen of those guys were playing in that game right there. And yeah. I'm standing there just leaning on the fence, watching the game, right. and there's like 20 or 30 guys standing around, most of them are players or, or coaches within the organization. You may be a couple of parents here or there, somebody's agent. Right who knows some scouts all just kind of huddled behind the, and it's, it's so quiet and it's peaceful and you're listening to the sounds of the game and a little chatter going around b- between the players and the coaches and stuff. I'm uh, here's AJ Preller sitting over here in his cart and he's talking to, to, uh, uh, weathers, um, uh, Ryan weathers, dad was there. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cause weathers was pitching one of the games and it was just, it's such a cool environment people have to go experience that, especially while they can before it get before. I understand some teams are starting to lock it down a little bit. And I just got to get that, get out there and do it. It's so fun.
1: You do. And you, if you see all the video that Sam uh, Levitt, uh, you know, spring training, Sammy has been posting for 97.3, the fan um, it's five or six people deep, uh, you know, 70 feet, 90 feet of people watching the major league team. Now, last time I was out there, what three years ago, two years ago, um, you could sit in the stands like they have parts and they have now sections of that. You can't even get up to the field because there's just so many people. So right on the big league side, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Making that left turn or making the left turn in from the, uh, to, to the backfields is much more preferable to me to watch. Like we know the big league clubs out there and it's fun to see the interaction. It's fun to see that kind of stuff with the big league club, but to go and watch what's coming. You know, particularly after all the trades, people are like, okay, everyone's gone. Mackenzie Gore is gone. All these guys are gone. But you just named Verdugo, Salas, Iriarte, uh, Lizaraga, Josh Mears, uh, Snelling, all the guys that we talked about last week in the top 30. All those guys are still going to be, could be a a part of this organization. And you get to watch them develop. You get to watch them kind of interact and kind of grow. In a thumbnail with a day or two, but it's just so much more relaxing than just having people scream for autographs. And I'm, I'm not a, I'm not against that, and that's fine if you know if you're a kid or whatever. But just with the, when it comes to crowds, uh, just go where the crowds aren't, and that's where the minor leaguers are, and that's where. I like uh, to watch it. A shout out to Sammy Levitt. You mentioned
2: him, yeah, and uh, we did happen to run into him, and he stopped and chatted with me and Angela for probably a good ten minutes, just about all kinds of stuff about living in San Diego and. And, you know, his arrangements in in Peoria and, you know, what what he's doing, because he's not he's not on the radio right now, but he's still a busy man. He's working full time for 97.3. And I want to point out that Josh Norris of Baseball America, he's tweeting out videos of a bunch of Padres prospects. There's a thread out there that has uh, swing clips from Salas and from uh, Zabala from Zabala. And I think he had like Dylan Lesko was starting to throw bullpens. You start. He's ah. Josh Norris is going to be back there, and he's going to be posting out videos. So keep an eye on him. Maybe turn on notifications for
1: Josh Norris of Baseball America. Absolutely, I did retweet a couple of those, and I saw them right before I came on. I saw the the Sammy and the and the in the, the Ethan. Yeah, boy, Ethan's I came his
2: on. his cuts looked so good.
1: Nice. So tell us about Ethan Salas. Tell us what John Conniff has to say about Ethan (laughs) Salas. Ethan Salas continued to impress. This time it was at the plate instead of behind it. In three plate appearances, he showed impressive patience and power. In his first at-bat, he struck out looking on a fastball that seemed to be headed for Yuma more than the outside corner of the plate. He put in one of the most impressive at-bats in his second plate appearance. With the one-two count, he laid off a pitch in nearly the same location that got him rung up during his first plate appearance to even the count. He then fouled off another pitch and took another ball to make the count full. Salison sent an inside fastball to right center for a ground rule double. In his final plate appearance, the bat never left his shoulders as he walked on five pitches while laying off a quality strike on the outside corner. Padres evaluators watching him stated that he looked this way all spring. So this isn't new. He came into camp with this eye at the plate, with this power. Showing an excellent idea of what he wants to do and what he wants to avoid while demonstrating an advanced idea of the strike zone. Just like you said, the questions of where he begins the year is becoming more of what the appropriate workload for a 16 year old is rather than whether the low A level will be too much for him. So that's a good point. So you go to low A and what's the season in low A is
2: like 120 games or something like that. That's a lot of work. And I, we don't know what, I mean, he's been working out at the developmental camp that they have down in the, in the DR. Right. So we don't know what, you know, how many games, how many innings, how many at bats, whatever did he log last year. So when he gets to 80, a hundred, is he going to be you know, running out of right. steam? Yeah. But and so the power. Not- For a 16-year-old to be hitting ground rule doubles, and there's a reason why you don't see a lot of guys putting up big power (laughs) numbers in the Arizona summer league. It's because these guys are kids. Yeah. So he's 16 years old. He's already what 6'2, and he's got shoulders, but you can tell that he's not filled out. And that strength's gonna come. But the fact that he can hit a ground rule double off of a, a prospect level
1: pitcher at this stage already says a lot. Yeah, definitely with that age, you know, you think of trying to hit velocity. Like, they're throwing hard, they're throwing in the 90s, high 90s, mid 90s, um, sometimes you don't know where it's going, but as a 16-year-old, you want to make sure that he can hit the fastball, and it looks like he can. At 16, I couldn't even hit, I, I could I couldn't hit the books at 16, <laughs> right? <laughs> Right,
2: but in that clip that Josh Norris posted, you can see that that his path to the bat to the ball is so efficient and quick already. Yeah. It's a really clean motion, um, and so I saw the Zavala clip before it, and you can see that Zavala was kind of out on his front foot, and he's got the the hands and the timing to be able to still square a ball up yeah. while being out on his front foot. I didn't see Salas out of balance at all on any of his cuts. He may have missed one; he might have been a little bit under or on top of one, right. but he squared some balls up in that clip and. Gosh, they, it's, everything looks so good. It's like yeah. too good to be true. Pinch me. Absolutely.
1: So moving on. Okay, Carter.
2: so next on is Carter Lowen at age 24, who was the 10 caps closer in 2021 before undergoing Tommy John surgery and is a friend of the podcast. Here. One of my favorite interviews that we've done. Uh, he was impressive in his inning of work, touching 95 and sitting 92 to 94. Before his surgery, the six foot four Canadian right hander was consistently in the high 90s. And note that it is spring training. So, uh, Josh Hader was out there. He threw today and he was touched in 95. And you don't expect these guys to be throwing maximum velocity. Right. The fact that Hader is sitting 95 right now is really, really good. And so, if Carter Lowen at this point in his rehab is sitting in the low 90s, touching 95, then that means that as he gets stronger, as he gets more comfortable, as the season goes by, that velocity it's already there. So, you know, everything's looking good. Uh, Friday was the first time this spring he hit 95, but more impressive was his use of a hard cutter in the high 80s to go along with an improved changeup. Quote, it took me a while to realize that might be my best pitch, said a smiling Lowen after the game. I was happy to hit 95 and the velocity has been coming back. And then next is something I got to witness personally. Everyone's favorite giant, Griffin Dershing, age 24, crushed a home (laughs) run to center field. And this season looks more like a large baseball player than a bigger version of Brian Bosworth. Dershing's leaning out is especially apparent in his improved mobility around first base. Now, I didn't see him take an infield practice, but I watched him do batting practice in his group. And it's, it's clear. And he was wearing a t-shirt and, and right. workout shorts, uh, but it's clear that he's leaner than he was last summer. But I mean, he's a ma- mammoth of a human. Yeah. So calling him leaning out, that's, that's a relative thing. Think about <laughs> its It's like Fran Mill Reyes when you see that right. kind of size and he's not quite as tall as Fran Mill was, but he's just a large, strong person. <laughs> and I saw him just hit some absolute moonshots in that batting practice or Nobody else was flying him out, and he was probably he, he might have opened up some insurance policies on some cars out on the street there.
1: <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be good to see him. He'll probably start up in, in high A, like Fort Wayne. I'm telling you, is gonna be fun to watch this year. Obviously, it is. We, we're gonna keep a strong eye on on uh, on all the levels, and particularly with Lake Elsinore. But like watching those guys come from, you know, and we'll see where some of that pitching that's coming back for the first time where those guys start. So four wins gonna have a real good squad this year. Um, moving on, my guy, Rosman Verdugo, had a few solid at bats. The Ensenada native put up on about 10 more, he put on about 10 more pounds of muscle since last year. Verdugo should be everyday second baseman for the storm to open up the year. Yes. And then our boy, friend of the podcast, Jackson Merrill, may have grown again. He's at least six foot three and a very solid 205 210. The fascinating part is he looks much better moving laterally than he did last spring and there aren't any more questions about whether he'll be able to stick at shortstop anymore you know, Marcus- it's
2: funny he looked big among the big league guys
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: you watch him out on the field and he's among the bigger guys even
1: among people that are much older than him already and he's already wearing the tight I think he's been hanging with Cronenworth a little bit because he's wearing those super tight pants like him Crone and and Capisano have like Capisano has painted on pants dude it's like dude you can, Maybe he just you, hasn't learned that he's moved up a size and he's still
2: asking for what he, what he's been
1: wearing this whole time. But you see, you see the page like, damn, dude, coach went a half size mortgage to get a little more stretch, but he oh, and- they know what they're doing. I know. <laughs> um, You know, it, it just Merrill has so impressed, not only just the part organization and us and the fans, but I know he's turned heads in the national media and has certainly, you know, uh, on the radar of other teams um, as he develops. And you know, there's only so many places on that infield is locked down for quite a long time. There's no need to 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 talk trade talk, but certainly you have to see where he may fit somewhere else in on the field. or certainly uh, what we can get, you know. And I hate to say it like this, but you know, what could possibly happen in a trade? And I don't even want to mention that, but like. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of movement going on throughout the next few years. So we'll see what happens.
2: Yeah, I'm not going to worry about that until it has yeah, to happen. Absolutely. So Marcos Castagnan, age 24, who led the Cal League in home runs with the Storm, also looked much better defensively in the backfield drills from last year. So I'd, I'd like to pick whoever's brain. I don't know if this was John Coniff or David Jay who wrote this article. I'd, I'm curious to pick their brain and see just what changed. Uh, what what change they see because the Castagnon that I saw on the field in Lake Elsinore looked like a pretty darn good infielder yeah. already. Uh, so glad to see that they're seeing some improvement with him, even on top of where he was last year. Yeah,
1: and then Josh Mayer should be running around center field again for the Double A missions. And according to the development staff, is in a much better place mentally than where he ended last season. Physically, it's hard to imagine someone in better shape. I saw him at Fanny's camp. I'm like, dude, you are, you are the rock, but at much younger. Just, just Oh, yeah. Just he, he's ripped. chiseled. So you know. the,
2: the mental part that, you know, we never know what people are going through off the field, outside the lines. Um And Mears had a rough, rough year last year. Yeah. And it could be that there was something going on personally, family, emotionally, who knows, that had him off center. Uh, and that, yeah, that's definitely going to affect how somebody is at the plate. Uh, and it it affects big leaguers. It affects, it affects all time greats. Yeah. So maybe there's something that has changed with him between last year and this year, and he's going to unlock something.
1: Yeah. It, it'd be nice. Cause you know, one of the things that coaches look for uh, in, in a player, it's not what happens when you succeed. It happens when you fail. And, and, and you're just, when right. I mean, you're so used, you know, you're, you're so used to, You have high expectations of yourself. You have these expectations that you have from the organization or any perceived, even though you're developing, um, that could weigh on a player. And and it can get out of, you know, it happens on the major league level as well. It can get out of order real fast. And you can hide that. You're not going to tell people like, yeah. I'm struggling. You don't want to tell guys that. It's still that macho kind of attitude in the clubhouse where I can't reach out and you know maybe talk to a coach. We don't know if he did or not, but you know, it a lot of those guys care that stuff. And it, it can affect your whole season. So glad he's coming back fresh. He looks stunning. Um the cuts down the strikes are always the strikeouts are always going to be there. But if you can cut down and make a little more contact, um, I think there's a future for him. Oh, for sure. Yeah,
2: yeah, and uh, so what you'd say about mental health? I know that this is something that that organizations are starting to try to provide more support in the off season and throughout the season. That you, there, there are athletes, but they're not just robots. Right. Um, and so one good thing, as you were talking about, we we get murmurs from people. We we hear that somebody's, you know, we hear stuff about what people are going through off the field, not specifics, but. That, you know, somebody's not handling things well off the field is kind of what we'll hear. And I haven't heard anything about that, about about Ramirez. So right. if he was dealing with some stuff, it sounds like he's been, you know, dealing with it in a, in, a, in a, at least a mature, responsible way. Uh, well, hopefully he comes back. All right. Well, so a little bit of sad news to bring on here. And I, I, I keep an eye on the transaction wire. And this time yeah. of year, there's always some guys that walk away from the game one way or another. Um, and so... In the month of March, Padres release players. There are guys that announce retirement. This happens across all of baseball, and it's it's yeah. unfortunate, uh, but I want to recognize it because it's an important point in a guy's career. So, in the month of March, the Padres released right-handed pitchers Miguel Rondon, Levi Thomas, uh, and Anderson Jefferson Garcia, left-handed pitcher Alexa Juan Vega and Osvaldo Hernandez, shortstop Olivier Basabe catcher Tyler Malone and then Johnny Hamza, who they have listed as a third baseman retired. Yeah. So a couple of those kind of surprised me. A couple of them kind of didn't, um, Basabe and, and Malone, they were both kind of organizational filler guys, as sad right. as it is to, to put that label on somebody. Uh, both kind of friends of the podcast in different ways. I got to yeah. know Olivier and, and his girlfriend when they were here in Lake Elsinore. And Tyler Malone being an Oregon State beaver, he was gracious enough to come on the podcast. Yeah, So absolutely. I enjoyed watching their stories. Um, but it was pretty clear that they didn't have really a major league future. So this is just a sign for them to perhaps move on to the next stage in life
1: yeah. in their yeah. career. Absolutely. Uh, and, and Osvaldo Hernandez, Um, besides the, you know, the uh, devastating curveball, and I don't know if he got picked up or what he's going to do, uh, the velocity, there, there's just no velocity there. And so the guys would, you know, they would sit on the curveball or they would just sit on the velocity and, and they would just, they would knock him around.
2: Right. So and, that and only, was, that only plays up that filthy stuff only plays up for so long. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And so Levi Holmes Thomas had,
2: kind of surprised me. Levi Thomas yeah. was drafted in the 2020 draft, that short five round draft. Um, and I thought he was going to be kind of one of these bulldog innings eating kind of guys. Uh, so surprised to see that they released him so soon. Yeah. Yeah. And then Absolutely. Johnny Hamsa go ahead about, about Johnny. Well, well,
1: Johnny Homsa just had injuries and just couldn't get it started. And... Right. It,
2: it sounds like he had a really bad shoulder injury before last yeah. year.
1: Yeah.
2: And just couldn't, couldn't bring it back. And that's unfortunate. He was one of these yeah. kind of Moby Dick kind of guys to me that like I was, he's from Alaska and and he was a converted (laughs) shortstop that became a catcher and it was just an unusual story and it's like i wanted to know more about the guy
1: yeah we never got a chance to talk to him and i really wanted to we both really wanted to reach out to that guy and talk to him but it happens every year and i'm sure by the end of the spring and today was the last day of spring training I'm sure a lot of those guys will start getting released even after they get through minor league camp and get into affiliate. Like there's going to be another whole round of those guys in every organization where they just kind of drop off. Right, because this week they're making those
2: tough decisions about who goes where. So all week we're going to start seeing all these announcements about rosters. And at the end of it, there's going to be some guys that didn't make rosters
1: so hey that's but so the next time that's that's about it we're going to give you off to Stu paul right now but but now but, it's ready for it's time for opening day it's so right you're, the, you're the gonna next time on the we, other side of the country for opening day yeah oh no dude, that's after this weekend no, no, right no this week we're fine next week uh i'll, I'll be back east um but Are the next time we game? talk no Ooh. maybe mate i haven't i you know once we get to Connecticut it gets really weird and and we get on a timeline and, and you know and lid it, there's a timeline there that um has to be kind of adhered to. I'm gonna probably if if the yard goats, which are the team there in Hartford, no, no, I'm talking about this weekend about opening weekend, oh no no no, no no no, oh okay,
2: no well, I'm yeah. excited there's the ponies <laughs> are about to take off
1: <laughs> the horses are on the track, and the next time we talk to you guys we'll have minor league news. We'll yes, have actually we minor league baseball games to talk about. So until then, uh, you can reach me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I am at Zippy
2: underscore TMS. Let's go Padres. And here is missions play by play announcer, Stu Paul.
1: Hey, we're joined here with, admissions pa play-by-play announcer Stu Paul coming to us from San Antonio. Stu, how you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty good, Donovan. First of all, thanks for having me and hope everything's going well. How are you doing?
1: We're doing really good. And with me is uh Roy, as you know. Um this is the first time we've talked to you and and I I reached out like last year Uh, i didn't hear nothing back but I didn't really follow up too much. And uh, we're really excited to hear uh, what's going on right now in San Antonio. We have a new ownership group. We have new, you know, we have new coaching staff. Um, but first, let's hear about yourself. Where did you come from? How did you get into broadcasting? And how did you end up with the missions?
0: I'm born and raised in New York City. I grew up in the borough of Brooklyn. I followed um, a number of teams, the Mets, the Jets, the Knicks, the Rangers, Um, I'm dating myself, but uh, the golden anniversary of 1968 to 1970, when the city won three championships. Joe Namath um, helping the Jets win the AFL title in 68, upsetting Baltimore in Super Bowl III. And then the Miracle Mets, same year that the Padres started in 69. By the way, Padres were 52 and 110, if I recall beat baltimore but they had a great pitching staff the late tom Siever jerry kuzman yeah. gary gentry and the knicks winning in the following year in 1970 and sadly one of my favorites uh, recently passed away in willis reed and in fact willis reed and tom Siever, sadly two of my childhood idols no longer with us but will always be forever remembered and in fact i followed the likes of marv albert lindsey nelson merle Harmon, who did the jets in fact marv albert along with his brothers, Alan Steve, went to the same high school in Brooklyn, Abraham Lincoln High School in Brooklyn near Coney Allen. And Marv did the Knicks and Rangers for many years until he got to the national level and his son, Kenny, who I'm friends with now doing everything. And uh, Alan Steve did NBA and NHL sports for a long time, too. But Marv was one of my idols. And I thought about being a broadcaster after thinking about being a lawyer. I loved Perry Mason when I was a kid, but once I went to jury duty, I decided, no, that's not for me. And I decided to <laughs> become a broadcaster when my dad, who unfortunately passed on a decade ago, gave me a tape recorder when I was a kid, and I just, I pronounced, uh, did play-by-play in the recorder. There was a couple of uh, toy games called Sure Shot Baseball, Sure Shot Hockey, Sure Shot Basketball. I'd invite my friends over, and I would practice doing play-by-play on that. So um, the bug bit, and my mom suggested that I wanted to try maybe getting the business. I had a much thicker Brooklyn accent as compared to now. I don't think I've fully gotten rid of the New York accent, but I think I worked as hard as I've done. Uh, But eventually I got jobs in upstate New York and in the Boston area. I got my first uh, baseball gig in Eugene, Oregon years ago. And then I went on to Salem, Virginia, the Carolina League, Hagerstown, Maryland, and Jacksonville, Florida double a and also did the san antonio missions and i did a couple of years with the nashville sounds and triple a didn't quite have the sales aptitude that they were looking for so we had a party of ways after a few years And i came back to um san antonio my boss is happy having me back i've done a lot of uh, college basketball utsa and uh, middle tennessee state delaware state football and hoops and i just completed my second year with Stephen f foster women's basketball unfortunately we got beat by arkansas on the second round the wnit and they just got beat by kansas i can go on and on i've been doing this for 40 years now and i still have major league aspirations even at my age um one particular team in my hometown unfortunately uh decided not to go with me i'm i'm gonna i've actually um did mention it but i'm not gonna uh, mention it again publicly but uh it is what it is that's their prerogative um but i'm happy to be back in. I'm grateful. I love what I do, but I still have aspirations, even though I'm um, getting close to collecting uh, Medicare. But you got to go on. You look at Vince Scully, you look at Myla Hamilton, Ernie Harwell, and Al McCoy is going to be retiring as the Suns radio voice. He's 91 years, 90 years old as a disabled. To me, age doesn't mean squat. If you have the health, if you have the passion, Donovan, you have the desire, you still enjoy doing it. That's what life's all about. Go out there and do it.
1: Very much so, and that's kind of like well, that's really just everything in life. If you find something you like to do, uh, it's, absolutely, you'll never, you'll never work again. It, it, God, how God, what a just a long story, minority career there. Um, I've um, I get family to live outside of Nashville, so I've been to the old Nat, maybe not. I've been to the old Nashville Stadium, and I've been to the new Nashville Stadium.
0: I've been to Greer Stadium, and um, I it was a good vantage point, but it it was dated. And I went to the new one; it was called then First Tennessee Bank. I don't yeah. know. The new name top of my head in fact our only year in triple a when the missions moved the triple a team from colorado springs to uh, san antonio in 19 and just like when i was with Nashville, we were affiliated with the milwaukee brewers so um uh, we have some good young guys that are up there Casted here up even though he's struggling average wise can hit for yeah. power and um and um tyrone taylor a good arm and everything and um and and um Adrian Hauser, who, who spent some time with Milwaukee and Corbin Barnes. So um it was good to have those guys. And then all of a sudden COVID hit, and then Major League yeah. Baseball decided to um reassign us to double A. And don't get me wrong, I love being in the Texas League, Donovan, but I enjoyed being back in triple A, especially when we can fly. And um, but it is what it is, but we're happy to be back with the Padres. You know, we had Philip Bowman for a number of years. Great guy. He's famous for being a real good umpire bater. He just got promoted to. <laughs> he got promoted to El Paso, but a really great guy. We got along well. Um, so I wish him well. But we we do have uh, new guys, as you uh, might uh, realize right now, which I will elaborate shortly. Yeah. So you
2: got you uh, mentioned the the coaching staff. Um, I'm pulling that up right now. looks like we've got a new manager in Luke Monts. Uh Felipe Blanco is going to be the bench coach. Uh, I believe he's coming up from Lake Elsinore.
0: Yeah. Uh, right. Prado
2: Sullivan is going to be your hitting coach. Jeff Andrews is your pitching coach. Uh, have you had a chance to acquaint yourself with any of these guys?
0: No, not yet. Um, you know, I just finished basketball just now, but they should be in town working out uh, this Friday, so I'll get a chance to see them at Bull Stadium, Roy. And we have a couple of games coming up this weekend, the first weekend of April, uh, before we start this season in Tulsa, against the team Montclova in Mexico. So I'm going to get to see uh, Luke. I know he caught in the Pirates organization. Jeff Andrews has been around, my God, forever with really? the Texas Rangers organization and in Frisco. So he's a good pitching guru. And I think the Padres are mm. very fortunate to have a veteran uh, who really knows his stuff. Why he's not with the Rangers anymore? I have no idea, but it's our game, so I'm I'm very happy to have him. I'm looking forward to seeing him as well.
2: Well, there's yeah, definitely we- a trend of the Padres poaching guys from the Rangers organization. You know, Preller's got some pretty deep roots over there.
1: <laughs> yes, and Felipe so- Belanco and Pat O'Sullivan have been with with the Padres development system for a little while here, and Luke Montz and Jeff Andrews are definitely new to the new to the system. But it's nice, you know, injecting. A new idea a, a new staff um maybe even some new processes uh in, into an organization to kind of raise the bar there um have you had any have you had any co- conversations with Pedro sullivan before in the past or, or no any- no like like
0: i said donovan this is the first time i'm ever going to be seeing this group you <clears throat> i was used to raul padron i was used to um philip wellman and uh quite a few other guys uh Lance Burkhardt, who was with El Paso a few years ago, we were happy to see each other. When we came in with Milwaukee, he was a longtime coach. and um, But as far as the new guys to be up front with you, uh, I haven't seen him yet. But like I said, I'm going to be seeing him this Friday night when I watch him work out the Wolf.
2: And So you mentioned this uh, event coming up with a team from Mexico. Um, Correct. What's that all about?
0: Um, it's an, We had like an exhibition uh, series right before – the start of the season last year. I know that it didn't involve the missions last year, Roy, but I know it's involving them now, uh, but it's Monclova, And I guess it's just like an exhibition game. And, you know, we're just trying to get people excited again for baseball after not having it since last September. So um, my boss, Bro Yarbrough, super, super guy. He's the president of the missions and Dave Gassaway, a longtime GM who's also done a great job. Uh, they're always trying to implement things. They're always trying to do is uh, get people to come on out and just whet their appetite for baseball uh, because we got a bit of a long wait. We open up in Tulsa, although it's only going to be three games, and then Easter Sunday and I think Monday, after that we're going to be off, and then April 11th, our first game against Frisco. So I know it's going to be weird for Jeff Andrews once he sees his old team coming to the Wolf um, <laughs> that night, April 11th. Well,
2: I'm I'm curious what this uh this baseball team from Monclova, Mexico is gonna look like. So we'll have to tune in and see what we'll we can do out. to catch some of that. Um yeah, we'll find out. So on top of having a whole new coaching staff, uh you have a new set of not your boss, but Burl's bosses now, a new ownership group. Um and it's right. an interesting group. So it's a group called Designated Bidders. Uh, it looks like it's kind of a subgroup of of Ryan Sanders Baseball, which is owned yep. by uh, Nolan Ryan. Um, and I'm looking through the the list of of dig, uh, dignitaries among this group. Uh, so you've got David Robinson and Manu Ginobili, a pair of uh, Spurs. Uh, Mm -hmm. veterans um and you've got san diego a whole bunch of san antonio civic leaders you got craig biggio and roger clemens a couple of hall of famers in the group that's a really interesting group of of owners do you think they're going to be very involved in uh coming around to the ballpark oh absolutely
0: i mean you know they're they're you know we need a new ballpark roy i love wolf stadium this is our 30th year but we have got to have a new ballpark this is not 1994 we got to make it a conducive you know, especially now we have all the technology, social media, and all that sort in 2023. And, uh, you know, we're going to miss the Elmore. Dave Elmore had been owner of the team since 1987, the super guy. And he owned a number of teams, including the Eugene Emeralds, as I mentioned to you. And Donovan, that's where I had my first job many, many moons ago. Um, but um, also Peter Holt, the owner of the Spurs, is going to be involved. Read Ryan more uh, um, instead of Nolan. I remember when Nolan struggled with the Mets, threw hard, but couldn't get them all over the plate a lot, although he had a World <laughs> Series drain 69. Um, but I knew he was going to be good, even though I hated to see him leave after 71. But that's we can talk about that for another time. Um, but um, David Robinson, you mentioned, Roger Clemens, Randy Smith, a local leader. I got to meet him. He mentioned about Yogi Berra, and I blurted out, I don't, uh, nobody goes to that restaurant anymore. It's too crowded. And he laughed. He said, that's my second favorite yogi quote. And I introduced myself and told him I was the broadcaster. That was during the introduction of the ceremony back in November when they were here in town. Um, Bob Cohen, who has a radio background. So it's going to be interesting. But, you know, we're going to try to uh, be impre- impress these people as much as possible. But We just continue to be ourselves, continue to work hard, continue to cater to the uh, fans not only in san antonio but throughout the bear county area and i i really am very encouraged because if there's one thing we got to have as i mentioned i don't want to uh reiterate too much we got to get a new ballpark and i think now that we have local ownership more and more involved who knows the market pretty well donovan and roy and i i we could have had it maybe a few years ago but unfortunately COVID hit and we probably could have kept our AAA team, but I know I think these guys are gonna be instrumental in implementing ideas on trying to get a place where it's gonna be feasible, you know, cost and everything, land and all that, would it be in downtown or we got a lot of highways here in San Antonio, I-35, I ten, and we have a couple of loops, 410, 604, So people can come from everywhere. There's always gonna be people that say, Well, it's not this right part of town, or it's not in the right part of town here but you can only build one ballpark. And I really believe with these guys and uh, Nelson Wolf had just retired and he was our longtime, you know, uh, advocate for baseball because the stadium named right after him, he's still alive at age 82. Uh, a judge, a longtime Barrow County judge who's a big baseball fan. He's involved and he's trying to do is get a new stadium sooner or later.
1: Yeah. So is there talk in the community about this happening? Uh, Ever since, you know, ever ever since you know the introduction of the new ownership group, is it in the news, or is it just the, you know when they introduced the group that they mentioned that they want to get something done?
0: No, they didn't get into any specifics, Donovan. And
1: you know, I'm I'm not as much
0: around the team as I used to because, like I said, I have other broadcasts uh, to take care of, so I don't get a chance to really uh, visit the team as much as I will now. With baseball season's underway, but I haven't really heard very much. I haven't really read into anything yet for the Express News or on our website. I think right now they're keeping the hush us because they don't want to jump the gun soon. They just want to make sure they'll find a feasible site. Again, it's cost, um, where we can put it, good land and everything. And, you know, a lot of downtown ballparks, you know, just like Petco Park, um, being built near restaurants and all. I know you have the slam Quarters nearby and uh, the Harbor, which is on the west side. I've been to San Diego. Uh, a few years back when i was there for a basketball game couldn't get over what a beautiful city is you have the coronado there but i think they're looking into getting a uh, a downtown stadium but they also want to get one that's going to be uh traffic conducive uh for the fans yeah.
2: Right. Well, get a new ballpark. It's a process that takes years and and a oh, whole yeah. lot of people involved in the team. Um, but for the time being, you guys call the Wolf home. Um, and we've been paying attention to the the changes among minor league baseball and how since major league baseball took over, they've come up with this evaluation system um, for the facilities, both for the fan side, but really focused more on the player personnel side. Uh, and so one of a, a close a park near us, the Lake Elsinore Diamond, uh, they've had to come up with some creative solutions to right. satisfy some of these requirements. Because now you need a locker room for females. You need a certain size for uh, the umpire's locker room, the training facilities, the the food, and everything. There's a lot of requirements on a facility that weren't there 10, 20, 30 years ago. Um, so at Lake Elsinore, what they've decided to do, they took an area that was kind of a playground picnic bench area and my understanding is that they've built a structure on that to provide some of those facilities uh now with the wolf uh you know, this is a 30 year old ballpark uh what are some things that they've been doing in the last couple of years to try to get the to keep the wolf up to date
0: oh we've we've done quite a few things roy i mean we have a new uh scoreboard we have a new um a uh, system where there's a lot of uh camera work um computer work where we get we can have graphics and stuff like that uh, a new jumbotron that we did have we installed new lights in 2007 when the padres <clears throat> came into town for us for the first time after seattle had left um we got a new ball we got a new grass by the way uh bro my plus i spoke with him a few days ago when i had a meeting with him he showed me the ball the uh, ball field the grass looks neat we needed an update it was starting to really get faded and all that, uh, but it, it really looks beautiful, the sod and everything. Um, you know, we've, we've added uh, we had a picnic area for years. We added a party deck. I mean, you know, years. it's not like the 60s and 70s where it was mom and pop all come in and hope you get as many people as possible. We, we all know it's becoming big business. A minor Major League Baseball because you have giveaways, you have promotions, you have picnics. I, I sold a lot of picnics when I used to do uh, group outings or uh, group sales when I worked there full-time uh, many, many years ago. Uh, but you want to cater to people. We we know these are not household names like a Musgrove or a Darvish or a Bogarts that are coming in, but there's always that chance we may see some guys that will get the call up soon. And uh, But at the same time, while people are watching, ballplayers are not familiar with, we also try to add those extras. But the Jumbotron looks great. Uh, the lighting's been good, and also we have, uh, like I said, the ball field. I know I'm uh, re uh, reserve, reiterating myself right now, but I'm trying to think of stuff off the top of my head. Um, the clubhouses we renovated the clubhouses for triple yeah. A. Um, I'm not going to name uh the one manager that we had in triple A, but he, he wasn't all that uh super duper thrilled because, but let's face it, we were we're We were a triple-A team in the double-A ballpark trying to make it triple-A, and he's used to uh, stadiums that have nine, ten thousand, eleven thousand 10,000, 11,000 capacity with bigger clubhouses and all that. Um, But I think we've done the uh, best we could as far as uh, improving the clubhouses, trying to make it more triple-A, even though we're back to double-A. But those are some of the things that we have improved. We are still trying to get as much everything updated in the 21st century as possible, uh, but I, I love the I love the ball field. It's it's going to be great, and um, I'm really really happy the way things are going with the progress.
2: How about uh, how about on the fan oriented side? Uh, what are some of the things that make Wolf Stadium unique? The, the food offerings that you guys have. What kind of special spaces do you guys have around the
0: ballpark? Yeah, we have a uh, great food. You know, um, you know, like sausages. We have um, you know barbecue. We have. Uh, a large lawn berm beyond the left field wall so people can see. And, um, you know, also as far, not too much improvement as far as the seating, but we have every year what has gotten people out to the ballpark Park giveaways. We have fireworks shows. Um, We have $2 nights where if you come on out, $2 parking, $2 sausage, $2 soft drinks. I have it off the top of my head because I keep, promoting it year in and year out. But we try to give people certain discounts on some nights to entice them to come out to the ballpark. We have specials. The only thing that amazes me is that I will come to the ballpark at 4 o'clock in the afternoon for a 7, 7.30 game. I try to get to two to three hours. And people are sitting outside. And it's 100 degrees in San Antonio. <laughs> but if they want to get their, their giveaways, that's fine. But we're also hoping we're not just giving away stuff just for people we want to get them inside the ballpark yes. so and you know concessions uh ticket sales the picnic area those are major money makers as you guys know so but uh we're oh the fireworks can't forget the fireworks that we have every saturday night we have different kinds of themes even christmas themes and uh we also have honored the military uh the tragedy and Uvalde. Uh, where we had an uh, uh, entire Little League team that played at that horrible tragedy that took place last year with the elementary school shootings. And it, it, it broke my heart just right before vacation. But we were named uh, for the best event in my league baseball yeah. for that. But we tried to do is cater to special teams like the military, uh, like groups. You know, sometimes we have people getting sworn in. You know, like San Diego, San Antonio is a big military, big military town. town. You have a couple of... Uh, Air Force bases, and it's it's it, Those are the things that we've been doing year in year in and year out that help us still get good crowds to the ballpark.
1: Yeah, that's a big thing about minor league ball clubs and their organizations. They are a partner in the community. Um, El Paso, for we're just off the top of my head, the A ball club they do a, like a, a yearly dental uh, program at at southwestern uh, university stadium. Where they have all these dentists come in and they just give away free dental exams and free dental work. Um they're a huge part of the community in in reaching out to to everyone from the military to those underserved. Um we on our in our episodes during that time, during the Evaldi shooting, you know, we highlighted we highlighted that event that you guys had, the shirts that you guys uh the, the jerseys that you guys um you guys auctioned away after a while and after the game and and the whole and you know, what you guys are doing to kind of bring that some kind of healing or some kind of, uh, you, you know, love to uh, such a tragic situation. And right
0: and now in my old city, Nashville, you heard what happened with six today. shootings. That, yeah. I mean, the shooter is now deceased, but I felt bad for the innocent ones. So it hits home because yeah. not only Uvalde is about 45 miles west of San Antonio, down a bit, but Nashville, where I was with the sounds for a few years, that kind of hits home because I met a lot of friends there too. And you know it, we try to do things for the people who need the healing, and also that that's something we always have. And um, you know we we are a community-oriented ball club, and that's one thing I like about the front office—they really try to take care of those that are, that are in need.
1: Well, and you you've also had you talked about uh, you, you didn't have your Xander Bogarts coming through, but you've had your Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, you've had your Mackenzie Gore's before a lot of those players were traded away. Um, my wife actually went to. SDR Ruiz um... too. <laughs> I didn't we mean now... to interrupt
0: you, uh, Don. The SDR Ruiz went to Milwaukee, and he wound up going to my old city, Nashville. The guy could steal bases. The he had power, but the only thing that drove me nuts: why steal third when you don't have to? That's the only because... thing that drove me nuts.
2: <laughs> because it's there.
0: It's <laughs> like right. Ricky Henderson. You, if you
2: walk him, it's a triple.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, Henderson had the speed. But Henderson established himself in the big leagues, although Ruiz is still a kid. But he's got a lot of potential. I miss him. Uh, I wish him well with Milwaukee. Luis Urias, another guy we had who was with San Diego, went on to the Brewers as well. So uh, I certainly wish him well. We even had uh, Corey Spangenberg, the former yeah. Padre. He was with us in A. So we've had a few former Padres who went on to Milwaukee
1: as well. Yeah, for we sure. love WeCho, Absolutely. But I'm I, taking
0: a look
2: through the uh, the promotion schedule, and I see one thing that sticks out to me. On on Friday, June 23rd, you guys are going to have used car night. Uh, We've had that for years. Fans will have the opportunity to win a used car throughout the game. Okay, I need to know more about that. How does this work? Is it like a lottery thing? What, what's the deal?
0: Yes, yeah, it's, Roy, it's like a raffle. I mean, as far as I know, people um, probably sign up and, and then just uh, – You'll fill out some information, and then when their if their name gets called, every half inning we have a car announced, and then whoever gets the car that that's theirs. And we so usually, they're they
2: different cars. It could be a truck. It could be a an old Oldsmobile. It could be a Corvette. Yeah,
0: absolutely, <laughs> I love it. We've had it for years, Roy, and it's going to probably continue on even when we get to the new ballpark, whenever that would be.
2: So, your alter ego are the flying chanclas. It was yeah. one, of the, one of the first uh, Copa Divertivo uh, names that was announced. And that just stuck with the whole Latin community. Everybody that grew up in a Latin household understands what that flying chancla represents. Uh, and then also, you have a mascot, Balapino.
1: Balapino. Yes.
2: These are some of the well, things that I love about minor league baseball, yeah. the, the fun things that happen outside and the promotions that they can have. Uh, so tell us how, how the communities um, adopted and embraced those, those two characters.
0: Oh, the mascots are, are great. I feel sorry for the one who's in there because I've done appearances in, um, in school. I mean, it's fun being the mascot, but boy, I'll tell you, you can really sweat your you-know-what off as far as – but it, it, it's a fun um, atmosphere with Paul Pino. We also had um, a, 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 a taco that runs around the bases too. And oh, he always that's right, gets the taco. Ta- yep, we have that. Um, and also, what was I going to say too? Um, yeah, we we even have maybe once in a while mascots from other teams, but that's a rarity. But Bolo Pena said the flying chocolate thing really caught on a few years ago. Donovan. Um, we we uh, have merchandises, We have hats. We have. I even have an embroidered shirt besides my mission staff shirts. Um, but we, the merchandise sales have gone through the roof. People really get a kick. We have that on Thursday nights, by the way. Um, so we're the flying chocolates to San Antonio and the other nights, of course, the missions, but it's becoming a very popular thing. I think the last, I don't remember what year we started. I think it was in 17 or 18, somewhere around that time, but it's, even when we were in AAA, we continued with that, but it's caught on. It, and it's been very popular since then.
1: You know, um, we've, you, we see a lot of flying chocolate gear uh, out at, at Petco Park. Also, we have what um, we have the comic con, which is really big here in San Diego once a year. And there was a photograph of a guy with a flying, with a, with a, with a sandal and he was actually fly, the flying chocolate. <laughs> okay. So, Hey, we really appreciate it coming on. Um, Real quick before we wrap up, can you tell us a really good Philip Wellman story? He's been on the local radio here. Uh, we just love the guy to death. Um, he seems such, a, it's such a great opportunity for him to finally be in AAA. Um, but I know where A is really where the development is. you got to have a good Wellman story for us before we go.
0: He's paid his dues. We also had one with the stake where Michael Geddes had no idea that there was a stake uh, behind him. And then the uh, crew chief finally was able to do that. But to get back to you, Philip, I can't really think of anything. I try to be as respectful to the man because he's a super nice guy. And uh, and I, he paid his dues in double-A. But that time when he was with the Mississippi Braves, uh, the Braves double-A affiliate, and this was back in 06 when he got called for, he got tossed, and he takes two of the bags. And even when he gets on the ground, on the mound, and blows on to the baseball and stuff and stuff like that picks up tons aside, side and it's on youtube right now but um i i try really you know there's things that are funny but i i have respect for the man that uh, i would want to keep because he he, he he and i had a wonderful relationship and he was always affable and accessible yeah you see him get mad and angry but he's completely the opposite away from the field he's he's always friendly he's always loves to talk baseball his uh his his wife uh uh, Monty's certainly a lovely lady. They have yeah. two kids and, a, and two grandchildren now. Uh, but that's the only one I know as far as when, before he joined. Uh, I think the Angels Cardinals and then he joined us with the Padres. I still think of that what happened. Uh, I think it was in Chattanooga when they were in the Southern League and the Mississippi Braves were there. When I saw him do what he did, that was so funny. <laughs> it, it's nothing compared to Chuck Cotier. When I went to a game many years ago in the 80s, a Yankee game of all sorts, and Chuck Cartier uh, got tossed. He was the Mariners manager. He threw every bat, every helmet out and, and, and <laughs> cool and coolers out of the dugout and play was held up for about 20 minutes and people were hooting and howling. Um, I mean, that that's the story. I know I'm mentioning about somebody else besides Walman, yeah. but I think, I don't think Phillip ever went to extremes except maybe just taking a base or two and, uh, but that's the only—that's the one thing I know. But yeah, I mean, I see him with umpires sometimes. It when he just stares them and he and he uses his hand motions and all that. And uh, but you know the one thing too—he does protect his players. He yeah. always has the players back. That's why he goes out there and and has with the umpires. And there was a joke saying, um, "Well, how much? Uh, get the checkbook out, um, you know, Monty, and see how much he would get fined after getting tossed." But but Philip, I mean the thing about him is he stands up for everybody and yeah. he believes his team. He, he's, he's definitely a, a tribute to the game and he'll do well where he goes. And I, I hope he gets a big league opportunity. Hopefully with San Diego, one of these days, he deserves it. But the move to AAA, that'll be great for him.
1: Absolutely. Well, Hey, we really appreciate you taking the time and coming on getting to know you. Uh, now that we know you, you're, you're going to come on again. Let's try something at the end of the season and kind of wrap up double A, Cause you guys do have some players that will be coming up through the system, hopefully, and uh, some really good players to see. So we really appreciate it, and thank you so much, Stu.
0: My pleasure, Donovan. My pleasure, Roy. Thanks very much for having me. Uh, Looking forward to doing it again. You guys take care and enjoy the season. take it
1: through, to take